This is The Planted Runner. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik. Eventually, if you run long enough, you'll have knee problems. At least that's what some people say. The truth is running is actually quite good for your knees, but try telling that to a runner with knee pain. After all, it's called runner's knee for a reason. It's clear that our knees can be a weak point, especially as we age. So what can we do to ensure that we can run pain-free as long as possible? Let's find out. Welcome to The Planted Runner. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and my mission is to help you improve your running, your mindset, and your life with science-backed training and plant-based nutrition. On today's show, I'm joined by Doctor of Physical Therapy, Katherine Campbell. You'll learn why the structure of our knees can lead to pain despite our best efforts, how we can strengthen our entire body to avoid knee pain in the first place, and she'll even reveal how to improve your lunges and squats, even if they cause you pain right now. So if you're a runner with knees, they might just be a little stronger by the end of the episode. And speaking of the end of the show, I'll reveal this month's winner of our Apple Podcast Review Contest right after the Mental Strength Minute. One lucky listener will get a free signed copy of my book, The Planted Runner, Running Your Best with Plant-Based Nutrition. You can enter to win next month simply by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. I choose a new random winner every month. Before I get into the conversation, I wanted to ask you if you have a plan to keep your running and fitness on track this fall. You know, after the big race is over and the shorter days and colder temperatures set in. And of course, during all the holiday drama. Instead of relying on motivation or going at it alone, come join an amazing group of runners just like you on my PR team. It's a virtual running team and so much more. You'll get a truly custom plan for all your running, strength, mobility, mental strength workouts, and more, all based on your fitness, goals, and lifestyle. You'll get all your questions answered by me and our super supportive team in a private online running community. And the coolest part is that you get access to my exclusive weekly private podcast just for the team. I answer questions on the show, give training advice specific to you and the rest of the team, and you can even stay anonymous if that's more your style. It's really the sweet spot between just getting a DIY plan and full-on private coaching, even though you'll get lots of individual attention if you want it, all for as low as $75 a month. It is the perfect way to stick to your goals for the rest of the year and beyond. Not to mention, it's a ton of fun. Team spots are limited, so sign up today at theplantedrunner.com slash group. That's theplantedrunner.com slash group. And now here's my conversation with Dr. Kat Campbell. Welcome to The Planted Runner, Kat. Thank you so much for having me, Claire. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, well, we could talk about all sorts of things today, but we have decided that we are going to do a deep dive on one of the most tricky joints in the body, the knees. Okay, so let's get the most important question out of the way first. Is running bad for your knees? That is a very good question, and I will be, you know, as simple as possible, um, no, <laughs> it is not bad for your knees. And I think it, you know, I'm really happy that we are talking about this conversation specifically because the knees really do get a bad rap, bad rap when you think with long distance running, especially. And so, yeah, no, running is not bad for your knees. And, you know, I think we'll talk a, a little bit more about this and delve into the structure and all the different things in regarding to running and the knees. But I will say, one of the simplest things that when we think bad for our knees is osteoarthritis. A lot mm -hmm. of times people will hear, oh, you're a runner. You're going to get really bad arthritis. Like that happened to me and I blame the running. And so I always like to say and debunk the fact that 
no, it's not bad for your knees, but specifically when it comes to osteoarthritis, running does not cause osteoarthritis in your knee. It does not accelerate the idea of that you're going to get um, osteoarthritis. And I did a lot of research about this, um, delving into it when, you know, we we're talking, we, we knew that we were going to be talking about the knee. And I always like to tell people this one new piece of literature that is, mm. um, was done on thousands of marathon runners. And what they found was they compared just a recreational runner, a competitive runner. So like an elite athlete, let's say, and a sedentary couch potato. And they have found that people who are recreational runners actually might have a protective effect on their Mm. knees compared to the sedentary individual. Um, We will say, and there is a little asterisk, you might be a little bit more um, susceptible to osteoarthritis if maybe you are an elite professional, super competitive athlete. But I would say 99% of the people who are listening to this podcast right now fall more within that recreational category. Um, So I just, I think it's a very important thing to to talk about and for people to understand that, no, it's not bad for your knees, but actually could be very helpful, especially if we're comparing it to people who don't run at all or don't exercise at all. So why do we think it is bad for our knees? So many people are like, I used to run or I tried to run, but it hurts my knees or I was way into running for a while and then it just was too hard on my knees. So I quit. So why do we think where's this myth coming from if it's actually good for us? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think it's I'm going to give a little bit of what I looked into with the research, but also a little bit of my professional opinion Um, when it comes to running, we do know it is a lot of load through our body. And as that load goes through our body, a lot of times, especially if we are heel strikers, and it doesn't matter if you're a four foot striker, heel striker, but it does go, the forces go through, we create the forces to the ground, it comes back up to us, and it goes through our knee, through our hip, through our spine. Um, Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I think what happens is it's just an excessive amount of load sometimes that we can tolerate Um, or it goes past what we can tolerate. Um, So I think I was delving a little bit more into this specifically because we know that running is a single leg sport, right? Every single time we land on the ground, we're in single leg stance. So in order not to basically buckle and fall on our face, we really have to use our quadriceps, our quad muscle, that Mm -hmm. muscle right above our kneecap and through the front of our leg a lot. And so we know that every time that you run, just in general, um, two to two to 3% of your um, body is being, a body weight is being generated that you have to absorb. Now, the quad is responsible for activating and helping us stay standing. It helps mm-hmm. us avoid that buckling. Um, and a lot of times, and I'm sure people have heard of this, if they have any sort of like knee pain in the past, it's very common to hear runner's knee. Like we know Mm -hmm. that the knee is probably one of the most common things that runner uh, runners get in terms of injury and runner's knee is probably the most common. Um, that runner's knee is involving the patella, which we'll talk a little bit more about structure of the knee in general, but that kneecap is the patella that is connected to the quadriceps muscle. So when we talk about loading through our body, our body weight, and using that quadriceps muscle, it is pulling on the patella. And when that force is just a bit too much than the body can handle, that compression or using that quadriceps muscle compresses our patella against the femur, which is right behind it, um, and Mm -hmm. sometimes can create pain when that load is just exceeding a little bit more than what that person can tolerate without pain. Um, that's right. where I think that maybe it's more common to see knee stuff is because that we're using that quadricep muscle so much when we run. Okay. So this is a matter of, uh, too much too soon, or is this a matter of form or what exactly is happening? Yeah, it's a good question as well, because I think there's not too much literature talking about running form and kinematics just yet. If you ask me my professional opinion as someone who is a physical therapist and 
really drives and utilizes the gait analysis as a big part of how I treat my runners, I would say that form is definitely going to be a factor. It's not going to be the only factor. I will say sometimes, and especially right now as a, you know, an online run coach, I do see a lot of people getting prescribed too much. So in that aspect, sometimes it is too much too soon, but other mm-hmm. times what I'll see is either overstriding, which is taking that large step outside of our center of mass, which I always like to tell people, um, our center of mass is our most stable spot. Like that's how we maintain balance. When we take that large step, which is basically our hips, um, that basically creates a breaking force. So if you think about Mm -hmm. like, if you sprint on a track and then you want to go quickly stop yourself, what are you going to do? You're going to lean back. You're going to take large steps. You're probably going to just really make sure that you're upright and either leaning back. Right. And so that's basically a breaking force. When you overstride, you're doing the same exact thing, even though it doesn't necessarily feel like it. So that's putting some more forces through your knee just in general. Um, but other times too, I look at things like, I'm not going to try not to get too technical here, right? But Mm -hmm. we look at the hip too, that can totally affect the hip and the foot ankle complex can totally affect the knee. I always like to say that the knee is like constantly in a fight between the foot and the hip. So it's like (laughs) in PT school, I literally remember our professors calling it the dumb joint because it's constantly (laughs) between those two things. And Um, there's a term called regional interdependence. Um, Basically, what you need to know and everyone has probably assumed is the way the body can compensate can cause other things to happen in a different area. So just because it's the knee that you're feeling doesn't mean that there might be impairments in other parts of the body that you need to work on. So when I look at that running form, sometimes I'll see that hip drop, um, which is called uh, contralateral pelvic drop and puts your, your hip in some relative what is called adduction. So that like that long femur bone, that long bone, um, in, in kind of inwards towards our hip. Sometimes we will rotate our femur inwards. So think about like knock knees or like that knee falling inwards. And, um, those movements, especially when you're in single leg stance, can put some more forces through the knees. So it might not be a, you know, a volume thing. Maybe the volume is okay and you're progressing it really slowly. But when you think about the form, maybe the form is actually adding a little bit extra stresses to that knee than um, it would usually be if let's say, you know, you didn't have that. Um, I think again, like in the research, it doesn't necessarily say We can't necessarily say there is a direct correlation to that, but I will tell you when people have knee pain, when I address those things, oftentimes people can usually run either without pain pretty quickly or run a longer distance before they get the same uh, intensity of pain that they get. So I definitely think the running form is going to be a huge factor that if you do have knee pain and you're dealing with something and maybe going to a PT, uh, make sure you can try and get your running form and analyzed by someone who really understands that in runners. Um, cause that definitely does help too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think there's a lot of confusion about exactly what's going on. So yeah, the structure of the knee. So we all know about the kneecap. We, you know, non-medical people, we know that there are tendons and maybe ligaments and the, you know, like it's all kind of attached in there, you know, (laughs) and we understand that the force is going through it every time we take a step, but what are the things that could go wrong, you know, with the structure of the knee? Is this a tendon issue typically? Is this something else? Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about the typical thing that runners get, which is runner's knee, it is not a tendon. It's not the meniscus. There's a bunch of different things in the knees, right? We know the ACL, the MCL are in the knee. We know the meniscus is in the knee. We know that there's the patellar tendon and the quad tendon are all around the knee. When we talk about patellofemoral pain syndrome, um, aka runner's knee, we don't exactly know the process. There used to be mm. um, what was described as like a maltracking problem um, where we have the patella. Behind the patella is uh, the femur. So the biggest bone in our body, that lo- big, long leg bone. 
Um, and we have that, the end part of the femur, and then we have the beginning part of the tibia, which is our shin, or sh- the um, shin, basically the shin bone. And those are the three bones that make up the knee. Um, and so it really is going to depend. But when it comes to patellofemoral pain syndrome, what we know is that there's a lot of compression happening through that kneecap pressing against that femur, so that long bone that can create pain. And honestly, to this day, they still don't know exactly what it is that causes the pain structurally. We know that there is some um, nerve fibers in there that probably are are creating that sensation of pain. But when you feel knee, uh, you know, patellofemoral pain syndrome, it's also called PFPS or that runner's knee, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you're damaging your meniscus, you're, you're creating osteoarthritis by doing that. They don't necessarily know, but it really depends on the knee pain you're having. Um, I will mm-hmm. say I have had Back before I was even a PT, as someone in high school, I had PFPS. I had runner's knee. And I understand it could be very debilitating, especially that. For like, sure. um, But no, you're not necessarily doing more damage to it. Um, it all depends on the structure of what knee, you know, what's going on with your knee and what you're feeling. Yeah. So obviously we want to prevent this and if we get it, we want to treat it. So are treatment and uh, prevention the same thing? No, I will say, and this is a big thing that's coming out in the literature now, and I want to debunk because I think that there is like this narrative for runners that they're just weak. Their glutes are weak. Everything is weak. Um, And so there is a lot of literature, especially on um, runner's knee and PFPS now that they're just because maybe, you know, I do an eval and I notice that your hip or your quads or the strength might not be as best as it could be, it doesn't necessarily mean that was the cause of the knee pain. But that does mean that regardless, you want to always strengthen those things, right? Like when it comes to knee pain and really any other pain, as a physical therapist, what I'm doing is saying, how can I reduce the forces that are going through the joint to be able to help absorb a little bit more in the rest of the area to help um, reduce that pain? And so when I think of the knee, you know, I'm thinking of, I want to strengthen the quad. I want to strengthen the hamstring. I want to strengthen, strengthen the calf and the glute muscles. And regardless, you know, whether you are injured or not, you want to be doing all those things. Um, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say, and, um, I'll just, I guess it's like a little asterisk, right? Like you can't necessarily prevent, like you can't 100% always prevent. I wish that was the case. You know, I still say prehab. I still encourage that. Um, But generally, yes, if you want to be able to limit and decrease as much of your chance of getting something like runner's knee, it is going to involve strengthening the surrounding areas that maybe is a little bit more impaired for you. And the treatment should be the same. It's just going to depend on that specific individual, right? Like what I might need to work on on with my lower extremity might be different than what you need to work on. Like I see people who have decreased single leg stability and maybe don't have a good con- good control of their quadriceps muscle. Um, whereas for me, I know I need to work on my hip muscles and my foot muscles more than my quadriceps muscle because I know that I have really good control of that. So it's really going to depend on that person. I would say just in general, if you're trying to reduce any risk of injury, it's going to involve strength training and it's going to be the same thing to help improve if you're dealing with pain, um, but it might look different person to person. Got it. Got it. So prevention is pretty universal, but treatment is going to be very specific. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Okay, good. So one of the things that I hear all the time from uh, runners and especially as we age is lunges. They say, I can't do lunges. They hurt my knee. So I just don't do them anymore. Let's talk about lunges. (laughs) That's a great question, you know, because I get it a lot too. And it's Mm -hmm. especially when people age, you're totally right. Um, And I always like to say, because it's like there's, I want to use squats as well with the lunges because it's a very similar movement pattern. We know that squats are 
great for you and actually Mm -hmm. help strengthen the knees, right? So the problem is, I think a lot of times if they already have a history of knee pain, why would they go down into a range of motion that causes pain, right? Like the idea Mm -hmm. is why would I do something that causes pain? I should probably just stay away from that. Um, lunges and squats are not bad for you. That is probably how you can keep your knees the healthiest. Um, but what I will say is when I have patients, especially who are maybe, you know, a little bit older and are dealing with knee pain, who have pain with lunges, usually what I will recommend them do is just go to a range that's pain-free. I mean, usually when you do a lunge, you know, you're not feeling pain until that end range. And that kind of goes back to, the patellofemoral pain syndrome, that runner's knee that most people get, the compression that we have that goes through our patella, the kneecap, and to the back of that that femur, behind it, the femur, um, we know that there is an increased amount of compression forces the deeper you go into a squat. So mm-hmm. if you're going through something like runner's knee or patellofemoral pain syndrome, doing a 90-degree de- squat is going to probably hurt just like prolonged sitting in a car or like if you're, you know, in class or you're at work is going to hurt too because you're in 90 degrees of knee flexion, that knee bend. Mm -hmm. Um, So oftentimes with that lunge and with the squats, I'll just say, okay, do a quarter of a squat. Do like, just do what you can with at least less than three out of 10 pain. Because oftentimes the more reps they do and they, as they strengthen it through a pain-free range, you'll notice that if they consistently do it, they'll be able to go down lower and lower and lower until eventually they reach that 90 degrees. Yeah. And and sometimes there's modifications that you can make or different types of lunges, for example, that will be more pain-free. So, you know, if you can't do a forward lunge, maybe a back lunge or a static lunge would actually help. Have you found that to be oh, true? Oh, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because it's totally true. I have people like, I had a patient two weeks ago who, he, you know, he had a little knee pain after doing forward lunges, which is going to increase a little bit of more of the forces through the knee. It's going to be a little bit more stimulating on that patellar tendon. Um, so what I said was the next time I saw him, because he was kind of hesitant to do those forward lunges, let's do split squats or let's do static lunges up and down. And he noticed, mm-hmm. he was like, I was kind of scared to do this, but actually it feels completely fine. Um, so there are always different ways that you can work around it. If, you know, that's why I think it's important to either if you have a personal trainer, or you're working with a physical therapist or someone who's knowledgeable and can give you um, those different regressions, progressions uh, to safely get there is going to be really important. When you're a busy runner, it's not easy to get in all the running and training you need. On top of that, planning and preparing all the nutritious meals and snacks required to fuel you as an athlete can become an extra burden. So make it simpler on yourself and just make a shake after your workouts with the highest quality plant-based protein powder you can buy, Nurify by Prevenix. But don't just take my word for it. I recommend Nurify to all my athletes and here's what Julietta had to say about it. It's been a month since I bought Nurify, and I'm super satisfied. This protein powder is my way to go after every run, especially those days when I cannot have breakfast immediately after my workout. I use Nurify. No GI issues, and it keeps me full until my breakfast. Highly recommended. So if you are ready to finally and deliciously hit your protein numbers, head to Prevenix.com and use my code pr 15 for 15% off your entire order. That's Prevenex.com, code PR15. Women's Running Stories, where we explore the intersection between running and life. Because every woman who is committed to a running journey has a story to tell, and this is where you'll find those stories. I am host and producer Sheree Louise Turner. I'm a 53-year-old runner, and together with original music by musician and runner Cormac O'Regan, we bring these inspirational stories to life. Please join us to fuel your adventures. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... 
They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Colby Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo jo, Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what about mobility? Because, you know, that seems to be more popular these days, thankfully, because it's important. But, you know, doing some exercises that aren't specifically strength, but are targeted at getting a bigger range of motion. Does, is that important for the knee, especially for runners? Yeah, I mean, so I think the best place to start with this is explaining what mobility is, because I feel like a lot of people throw out that word and don't necessarily know what it means, right? Like, we know range of motion. I think when people think mobility, they think range of motion. So yes, we want to have a full range of motion of every single one of our joints, right? You lose it. If you don't use it, you lose it. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think everyone should be doing mobility training. But what is important to understand what mobility is, is having full range of motion actively throughout that joint. So if we think about the knee and we're talking about mobility for the knee, even though strength training might be um, strength training, you actually are still mobilizing and doing mobility training to the knee by doing the squats and lunges because you Mm. are using your body and learning how to control it through that full range of motion. Now, you know, if we're talking about range of motion, period, someone can just flex and extend your knee all you want. But in order to be able to keep that range of motion and really have that good mobility, you're going to have to get into those end ranges of motion. So maybe you doing a squat is strike training and we can make it a little bit more of mobility training by saying, let's like get to the end range as long as it's pain-free of course, but get to the end range and hold it there for a little, hold it there for Mm. like a pause of three to five seconds and then drive up. Um, that's going to help you control through that range of motion um, instead of just worrying about um, specifically strengthening it. But you're usually going to get both, especially with the knee. It really only does mainly flexion extension um, with okay. some a little bit more of small movements. But really, we only do flexion extension with that knee compared to the hip or the shoulder where we really get like mm-hmm. a lot of motion in those those areas. Okay, so that's good. We're getting two for one. We don't have to do like my mobility training today or whatever, as long as we are going as far as we can go pain free in our strength training, we're doing okay. Exactly. Okay, well, that's good news. So what about creaking, popping, noises, you know, you get up from your desk, you've been working at the computer and all you hear is cracks and pops and all. Is that something that is bad? Is that a sign of anything? Yeah, that's a good question because people are always scared of that too. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not a sign of anything bad. I mean, oftentimes, and especially going back to the people who are maybe a little older, that's when they get really scared. They blame their age for that. When I tell them mm-hmm. all the time, I'm like, I'm 26 years old and I'll, my knees crack all the time. It's fine. I mean, people will crack their fingers. Their shoulders will crack every once in a while. And I always ask when that does happen, first and foremost, does it hurt? And okay. most of the time people say no. And when that's the case, I say, don't worry about it. All that creaking, cracking, it's called crepitus, that, um, those mm-hmm. noises that you hear is really just air moving into a joint. And when you move the joint, that air bubble is popping. It's just air, especially if it doesn't hurt, it should be fine. Now, if we're talking about something like a meniscus, right? I have a couple of people right now who have a meniscus tear. They might say like there's cracking, but they also feel catching. Like there's something catching in their knee that kind of stops them in their tracks. That's when Mm -hmm. I'll start to say, okay, maybe this is a little bit more meniscus. But generally... If you are having any type of cracking um, in any part of your body and it doesn't hurt, it's completely safe. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's something going on that you need to look further into. It's pretty normal for people to have cracking in their joints. 
Okay. Okay, good. Well, I, I'm glad you brought up the meniscus because I think that's another thing that people think about or talk about and may or may not really understand exactly what is going on with that. So can you just explain what it is, can, explain the injuries or the degenerative things that can happen to it and how that will affect our running, what we do about it, all that good stuff? Yeah, the meniscus is tricky. It, it, so basically, it's a connective tissue. Just think it's like a cartilage. Um, we have our femur, which is that long bone, and then we have the tibia. And they, uh, if there was no meniscus and cartilage there, they would basically be bone on bone touching each other, right? That meniscus is inserted right in between both of those things, and it helps with shock absorption. Um, to be able to, when we pound on our joints, when we're jumping, when we're running, um, it just helps with that shock absorption through our body. Um, when people tear a meniscus, they might feel some like clicking, catching. Um, and usually what I always like to tell people too, because I think there's, when you have a meniscus tear, there's different ways of treating it. Like sometimes people will get, take the whole meniscus out. Sometimes people will like trim it or, um, sometimes people will just, you know, some people will just keep it. And I've had a lot of people who actually have meniscus tears who are completely fine running. Um, so yeah, it, it just really depends on the situation and like to what level are they trying to do whatever their sport is, how much of maybe like twisting or cutting are they doing? Cause that's a whole other aspect, but in the sport of running, I mean, if we're, especially if we're talking about road running, it's pretty straight with the exception of a couple of curves here and there. So I think, yeah, in terms of the meniscus, there's de- definitely different ways to treat it. And I think if you are dealing with something like that, talking to uh, a doctor or the right medical professional is going to be the first step. But it is definitely possible to have a meniscus or have a meniscus tear that you can just treat conservatively and still run and be pain free. Okay, good news. So what do we do when we're in pain? Um, This is kind of a controversial subject. uh, So I always like to bring it up. I have my own opinions too. Um, Should we ice when we're in pain? Should we take NSAIDs like Advil and Tylenol? Uh, Should we use heat? What does the doctor recommend for painful knees? That is a good question because I get that stuff a lot too. And I will always say as a PT, like I'm sure if you've had, I'm sure you've had many PTs on here before, but mm-hmm. everyone always says it depends as a PT, and it, but it <laughs> okay. truly does. It depends on the situation. It depends on the person. It depends on what works for them and what feels good for them. So it, when we're talking about, let's start with like ice, there mm-hmm. is some new literature showing that possibly doing some ice before, um, Let's say if you're dealing with a like something painful, it could help with an analgesic effect, like reducing some of the pain before exercise. But that also, but there's an asterisk there, right? You don't want to ice and then go run a marathon or try to do like peak performance because that's actually going to hurt your performance um, beforehand. Ice is also tricky too because it depends on the structure of the knee we're talking about. I mean, if we're talking about runner's knee, that might help with the pain. If that helps with the pain, good, great. But when we talk about tendons, I've had people who have patellar tendonitis and ice and they like it, but oftentimes tendons don't like cold. They actually hurt more when it's cold. So if you're going to ice your knee and you have patellar tendonitis, it might actually hurt more. It's going to stiffen up a little bit more. And so it's all going to depend on that situation, right, too. When we talk about NSAIDs, I think, and I actually looked into the research with this a little, too. It is good to take NSAIDs when it's acute. The first two to three days, if you have an acute injury, that's completely fine. But the problem is when people take consistently or chronically NSAIDs. It does not improve your performance. It actually might hurt it a little. And it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily doing anything because when we talk about inflammation, I think there's like a bad rep to inflammation. And sometimes, yes, it might be a little warranted to try and reduce inflammation if it's sitting there for, you know, a long time. But early on in the, the acute process and when you are her inflammation is actually a good thing because that's how all the nutrients are getting to the area to try and heal it. 
So mm-hmm. by taking an NSAID, you're kind of removing that process, um, which could actually, again, if you're taking it long term, could hurt you more than help you. Now, I, again, it always, right. I always say like it depends, but I just wouldn't do that consistently. And I wouldn't right. use that as the answer. Um, and when it comes to heat, I think it kind of goes along with ice. It really depends on what you're dealing with. I love when people have something stiff, like we talk about the, you know, the tendon or like maybe like a muscle strain in the quad area. Um, that heat could be helpful in just relaxing the muscle because it tends to stiffen up and that will help too. Mm-hmm. But it ultimately, at the end of the day, all that matters is that you re- you reduce the pain and it feels good for you. It's all okay. going to be subjective to the person. I just, in terms of NSAIDs, I definitely would not take them consistently. Um, That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Good advice. Uh, Thoughts about KT tape. So, you know, we see runners all the time have, you know, this colorful tape all over their body, you know, on their knees, on their shoulders, on their ankle. And, you know, a lot of runners have never used it before, don't really know what it does. And is there any um, proven use for it for, for the knees? Yeah, I don't think there's like in the literature per se, I don't think there's a specific thing saying this is exactly how it works and it 100% is going to work for everyone, right? But I think a lot of patients I have um, have benefited from the use of KT tape for pain to be able to still do their sport and maybe help assist with a muscle, maybe help with some inflammation, maybe help with some support. Like we're talking about the knee joint, like around the knee. So it all depends on the person. And usually what I will do is if it helps you, like, especially if we're talking about someone who's racing and maybe has a race upcoming Mm -hmm. and they're dealing with pain, if it's going to help them run, who am I to say that they shouldn't use KT tape? So what I usually will do is say, let's try it. If you feel like it helps and it works for you, great. Especially if you have this race coming up, let's do it. And if it doesn't, all right, we tried and we did everything in our our power to make sure you're feeling as good as possible for race day. I will say that KT tape is not the answer. So a lot of times people will say, I have knee pain and I want to have KT tape on forever. Like that is not, (laughs) KT tape is meant to be a, a very like, an intervention that you're using to either help someone early on reduce their pain and still run the sport or do something like run a marathon um, when they're injured. So I would say it's not a long-term solution if you do use it, but I'm all for it if it helps you. Yeah. Yeah. And I've found kind of anecdotally that it's sort of psychosomatic, you know, like you have that little bandaid on and it's like, okay, I'm going to be okay. It's, it's, you know, it's like the little thing that reminds you to be careful. Number one, I hope you're going to be careful, but also it's like, okay, I'm taped up. I'm going to be okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which, Hey, as long as it helps you, that's all I care about. All I care about is making sure runners can keep running. So yeah, absolutely. And and of course, we have to address that there are times where you have to couch it for a while. Sometimes, you know, surgery or even knee replacement is honestly the best option. W- what does that look like? Yeah, so it's a difficult conversation. And I think in terms of when to know if that surgery is the option, is going to depend on several factors. Uh, Mm -hmm. When I think about that, I'm thinking about, okay, so we're talking about runners, right? So we know that someone is running, but like, is someone dealing with knee pain and isn't a runner and can do their day-to-day life without it? Then maybe knee surgery isn't the case. If someone's doing running and they've tried all their options, right? Like, They've tried several doctors. They've tried several PTs because that does matter. There is some, you mm-hmm. know, different types of PTs out there making sure you've done everything in your power to be able to handle it conservatively. And you're right. still having pain either at rest with walking or a lot of pain with running, then I would say that is the time to maybe see if surgery is an option. I think the problem I have with surgery is that oftentimes there are people, and honestly, I would say a little less than runners, because I think we as runners like want to address the cause um, as right. people who exercise. But I will say just in a general statement, I do find that a lot of times people think that they can just get surgery right away and that will fix the problem when oftentimes 
regardless, if you, you know, if you just wanted to jump to surgery, there's a good chance you'll probably need to do PT after. So if you're thinking you could just get surgery and walk out the door and start running again, that's not going to be the case. You still have to do the work there. And I've Mm -hmm. had people too have, who have gotten surgery and ended up not feeling any better pain wise. Um, so Oof. I think like just understanding that if you if surgery is an option for you, you have tried all the other options conservatively because just because you get surgery, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to help with the pain. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's also a lot of um, less invasive treatments um, that we could talk about. You know, there's steroid shots, there's place platelet replacement you know shots there's dry needling you know can you briefly just fill us in on a few of those and and what you found if if those are effective yeah um so in terms of so platelet-rich plasma which is also called prp that's what i meant to say yeah so that (laughs) one and cortisone are definitely i would say like if we're talking about the knee joint like the meniscus or um osteoarthritis if we're talking about that knee joint those are probably the most common two things that people will try to do. Uh, PRP is interesting. Um, If people have not heard of it or don't know what that is, basically what they do is they're drawing blood from you and they're taking your, um, your, they're basically spinning your blood in a centrifuge and the plasma rises to the top. They're using your plasma and injecting it back into the joint. So let's say your knee joint, if you have maybe like a meniscus tear, that's common. Um, and then from there, it's it's supposed to be a healing effect, promote blood flow to the area, help new cells grow to hopefully help um, with the healing process in, let's say, the meniscus or the joint. So when it comes to PRP, it is going to depend on you, right? Like there's totally different factors based off of how mm. healthy you are. I mean, as runners, you would assume probably most of us are healthy and take care of ourselves. But I mean, even if you're a smoker or have um, other things going on, then it might not be the best option for you because it depends on how healthy your blood cells are to be able to help um, that knee joint. And so I think they do test that. I don't know too much on that, but I think they do test that to see if you're a good candidate for that because not everyone is a good candidate for that. Um, Mm -hmm. In terms of cortisone, Cortisone is, I'm sure people have heard it so many times, but it is a steroid. And a steroid, it's one of the most powerful steroids. It really can help with pain and it can help reduce inflammation if we're talking about someone who has prolonged inflammation in that knee. Like let's just say it's been puffy for weeks or months at a time. You that at that point, yes, we want to reduce that inflammation, especially if it's painful. So cortisone is good for that. But I will say the little asterisk with that now is when you have several cortisone injections, um, not only does it increase your blood glucose levels, but from a musculoskeletal point of view, with several of them, there is a lot of research showing that it actually weakens your tendons. I have heard that. Yeah. Yes. I so, tell my I tell my uh, clients about that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's super interesting. Like I've had a patient who had who has had like foot pain and I want to say she's had like six or seven injections and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, you cannot have any more injections because it weakens the tendon every time." So, I mean, even talking about the foot area if you're having it, you're more likely to rupture a tendon. So, Cortisone is not going to be a consistent thing you should cons- you know, you should get, right? So I think mm-hmm. being aware of those two things, it is a powerful thing. And if it's a one-time thing and it helps with the pain, fine. But it also is not addressing the true cause of what's going on, right? So mm-hmm. um, if it helps one time and you don't need it again, good. But oftentimes I do find people who come to me and say they've gotten a cortisone injection, eventually it wears off and then you're back to square one. So you just don't want to consistently keep getting it. Um, in terms of dry needling now, dry needling is interesting. It it's helpful. And, and so in PTs, what dry needling is, if you don't know what that is and how that's different from acupuncture, because I think a lot of people know it, it's just both needles is now I'm not, I don't know a lot about acupuncture since I'm a PT, but I do know that acupuncture is a little bit more superficial and it's about the energy flow of where they put it that is supposed to help with the pain. 
Dry needling is a little bit bigger of a needle, and you're actually putting it through the trigger point of a muscle, which is helping stimulate blood flow to the area and heal it. Sometimes people will actually use stim too. So they'll put the stim stim unit on the dry needling, and it'll help with like the twitching of the muscle while they're dry needling, and it'll help mm. actually activate a muscle. So if you're noticing something is having a tough time activating, then they can put it in an area reduce that trigger point also help with the activation of an area. So I think dry needling is, you know, helpful and useful in certain situations. I also will just say, I mean, I'm a really big advocate of exercise always. And I've also seen people like dry needling, they enjoy it to the point where that that's like all they become relying on and talking. Ah. Yeah. And I, that's where I have a problem with that. Um, so if you're going to do dry needling and you're going to PT, I think that's great if they do it, but you also want to make sure you're addressing the cause of it, right? Like long-term, we know if we're having issues, you want to build that load capacity. So it's going to involve strengthening the surrounding areas. So I think it's a great way to maybe activate the muscle, reduce the pain, but then what are we doing after that to actually address the cause? I'm really big into addressing the cause as I know most runners are because we don't want to have the pain. And I think we as runners really want to understand our bodies. I think runners are really great like that, where they want to truly understand what's going on. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's not um, have this all be doom and gloom. I'd love to hear if you have a story of someone you've worked with who came to you with knee pain and is now on the other side running again. Yeah. So, I mean, I have a lot of people who come with PFPS, Um, and let's see, I have so many people. So I would say I have had a person, a client of mine who actually had patellar tendonitis. So it wasn't PFPS, but she did have patellar tendonitis and it was actually really bad. She's had a history of that prior to working with me for like several months to a year. And she couldn't even run on the treadmill for three miles without just being in like six to seven out of 10 pain. Yeah. And she came to me and she wanted to run her first half marathon. And she knew that it was going to be a big problem because she can't run more than three, three miles without extreme pain. So we loaded the patellar tendon a lot against surrounding muscles to the glutes, the quads, the hamstrings, and kept loading that patellar tendon, especially when it comes to tendons, our tendons love to be loaded. Um, and in a slow motion. So eccentrically, we talk about the the muscle lengthening um, and doing that slowly. We did a lot of that. And then we also, again, address the running form, right? I usually see with patellar tendonitis, people who have it, that they typically have a history of overstriding. So Mm. we got her on our run analysis system. We have a 3D run analysis system at my job. And we checked out her running form objectively to see those numbers. And turns out she was an overstrider. Um, and the side, she actually had uh, patellar tendonitis in both knees. But the one side that was bothering her more, she was overstriding more. And um, she actually also had difficulty with forward leaning. So, you know, as a runner, we want to have that slight forward lean through our ankles, not through our hips. And she couldn't do that. So it goes back to those breaking forces that we're getting more load through our patellar tendon and through our quad. She worked with me for months beforehand. Luckily, she was very good about making sure she sought out care early on. Um, But as she practice those cues and as she loaded the tendon and that takes time, right? Pain kept getting better and better. I will say there was periods and I want people to be aware of if you're dealing with a pain, pain, something painful, oftentimes it's never linear. So there was times she had really bad flare ups, got really upset, really frustrated with herself, not sure, not sure if she could do the, the half marathon and then felt really great. Eventually, towards the end, she had no pain at all, ran the half marathon actually in Hawaii. It was a really hilly race. It was like seven miles uphill, and then the <laughs> other rest of the race was all downhill. So a lot on the knees, a lot on the patellar yeah. tendon, no pain at all. 
That's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. So yeah, do your PT runners. It's really important. Yeah, <laughs> keep, it sure. up. keep it up after you are healed, quote unquote. A lot of, I know a lot of runners are like, I did PT and now I'm healed. And so now I'm done and I'm not going to do all that stuff anymore. <laughs> yeah, definitely keep up with your PT. I always say that too, because a lot of people will do that and then they end up with the pain again. Keep growing, yeah. just like you're running. Like if you have a base mileage, you want to keep building it up. Do the same with yeah. your strength. Perfect. Well, I think that's a really good place to wrap it up. So tell everybody where they can connect with you. Yeah, for sure. So I'm pretty big on Instagram mainly, but I do have a TikTok too. Both of those handles are runwithcat underscore DPT. If you have any questions or just any comments about today, feel free to reach out to me. I always love connecting with all of you guys. I also have a podcast of my own. It's called the run with cat show on all the major platforms as well. So if you wanted to have a little bit more information on that aspect too, you can go on there. And then if you want to inquire about coaching or any other questions, you can head over to my website, which is the run with cat run, run, run with cat.net. Perfect. Well, we will have all of that in our show notes as most of the people listening to this are running right now. Well, thank you so much, Kat, for being on the Planet Runner today. Thank you so much for having me, Claire. I really appreciate it. And now it's time for the Mental Strength Minute. Fortify your mind in 60 seconds or less. Today's topic is, yes, you can. This simple mantra, yes you can, is incredibly powerful. We often don't give ourselves enough credit for the work we've done to get here, and we usually have more to give than our minds would believe. Simply repeating yes you can to yourself when running gets hard can be enough to quiet the doubting thoughts and amplify the encouragement. To make it even more effective, add your name. When I say, yes, you can, Claire, my brain hears this as an outside voice instead of an inner monologue. We are often more likely to believe others when we're doubting ourselves. Yes, you can. This month's winner of our Apple Podcast Review Contest is Leah M. 110. Here's the review. Cheers to year two, five stars. As someone who just began their running journey last year, this podcast has been integral to building my confidence and success as a runner. I love how the podcast is structured, the length is perfect, and never feels too repetitive. There's always something helpful to discuss. The nutrition tips and strength training have been extremely helpful. I can't believe it's already been a year. I've listened to every single episode and look forward to what's to come in the future. Thank you so much, Leah M. 110. Your mission is to email me at claire at theplantedrunner.com with your U.S. mailing address and your signed copy of my book will be on its way. Thank you for listening to The Planted Runner, part of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. Don't forget that you can win a copy of my book for leaving an Apple podcast review. So be sure to write yours right after your run today. Reviews are the number one way to boost this show's reach. And it's a great way to tell me what you'd like to hear next, because I read every single one. Have a great run today. Hear Her Sports is a podcast for everyone who loves stories by and about women striving to improve and make a difference in their lives. I am your host, Elizabeth Emery, a former professional cyclist. In every episode, I introduce a female athlete or woman in the business of sport through a thoughtful conversation about who they are and the terrific work they're doing. My guests and I explore the glorious and frustrating issues in sports, history, equity, training, nutrition, and so much more. Join us for inspiration, for community, and for love of being a strong athletic woman.